This is the last Sunday for our virtual worship service for a while. We hope and pray. And next Sunday, Lord willing, we will be back in person, live in our worship center for our two morning services. But for these weeks, we've taken a pause on our Jonah series to talk about what's going on in our nation and in our own hearts. What emotions are you feeling this morning? Could it be fatigue, weariness, maybe disappointment, anger, rage perhaps, hopelessness? All these and more are swirling about in all of us, aren't they? And it began many months ago when COVID broke out and it's still with us today. And then it became even more intense with the election and it seems like we're becoming beaten down and maybe even controlled by the next news item that's coming. Our lives seem to be like on a yo-yo, up and then down again, on a long string, up and then down again. And for some of you, maybe more downs than ups. These days remind me of the times of another prophet in the Old Testament who was a contemporary of Jonah, and his name is Isaiah. In Isaiah's day, King Uzziah had ruled Judah as a good and godly monarch who reigned such a long time, it's hard for us to imagine, 52 years. Politically, he protected his nation from aggressive Assyria. Remember that imperialistic power that Jonah visited and hated. Toward the end of this king's life, he committed a great sin. By acting like a priest, he entered the temple of God and burned incense. Not content to be God's king in pride, he wanted to be in the priesthood. And God judged this defiant act by giving him leprosy until the day he died. And now the leper king was dead. And the changes that were coming are uncertain. After his long and prosperous reign, would his son continue in his father's ways or not? The nation and Isaiah felt that uncertainty that we feel. The fears of new leadership, the possible invasion by Assyria, the threats to the nation in many ways, all of those emotions were swirling in Isaiah's heart and the heart of the people of Israel. And in the same way, we face political instability, cultural tension from racism, physical tragedy from the hurricanes and the fires, threats to our health from the virus, financial uncertainty, and to top it all off, yes, Thanksgiving and Christmas are just around the corner. Isaiah's fear was calmed, not by looking to the next king who would take the place of Isaiah, 
but by seeing the King of Heaven. Isaiah begins his message in chapter 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. So we will look today at this passage of the prophet's call and how what he did and whom he saw is something that will be true for you and for me. In this passage, Isaiah will see God, and then he will see himself, and then he will see his world. Let's read the first four verses of Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two wings they covered their feet, and with two wings they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Isaiah saw God as high and exalted on his throne in his temple. He was surrounded by angels here called seraphim. And this is the only time in scripture we see them these angelic beings had their faces and their feet covered by their wings, and they are the sinless guardians of a holy God, and yet their posture is one of humbleness, submissiveness to this awesome being on the throne. And they call out to each other about that being that they surround, holy, holy, holy. This important word means that God is absolutely unique, unlike anyone or anything else. Words like perfect or sinless are, are just too weak. The temple scene is so powerful with this cry of holiness that the mere mention of God's holy name and nature causes an earthquake and smoke to appear. And when Isaiah saw this vision, what would he have thought about the death of his king, the fear of his future, the uncertainty of the next king? Well, this view of God overwhelmed him. And like Isaiah, we must see God for who he really is, the immensely holy God of heaven and earth. We need to examine the time that we give to the news, to catching up our social media, to talking about the many problems we face. If you're like me, 
it's far more time than what I'm giving to thinking about God, to seeing him. God is not on Facebook. He's not on CNN or Fox News, but he is here. The seraphim, remember, they cried out, the whole earth is full of God's glory. God's glory, the visible display of his holiness, fills the earth. Look for it in the falling leaves, the setting sun, the clouds, your pet, the amazing complexity of the human body in all of its shapes, sizes, colors, personalities, and creativity as we display the image of God. If you have eyes to see it in these places and many more, you can see it and you will worship God. This is my Father's world. He shines in all that's fair. In the rustling grass, I hear him pass. He speaks to me everywhere. It's delightful to see God's glory indirectly in this beautiful, amazing world that he has made. You will also find God's glory in scripture that speaks directly to us. If you want a fresh start, begin to read the Gospel of John to see Jesus' glory. The reason I suggest John's Gospel is because John quoted Isaiah 6, this very passage, and then he said in chapter 12, verse 41, Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Spend time today in your Bible, maybe in the Gospel of John, and do it tomorrow and the next day. Because when you see the greatness of our holy God, you will begin to trust him more and more with your fears. You will ask him to strengthen you when your emotions are out of control, when the virus and the quarantine is driving you crazy with panic, when the election results keep you on edge even after they're announced, when your marriage is straining, when your kids are driving you up the wall, or when you cringe even thinking about Thanksgiving and Christmas. Take the time. Make the time. God is here. So what happened to Isaiah when he saw God as he really is? Well, listen to verses 5 through 7. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then 
One of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. When Isaiah saw God, he experienced the crushing weight of his own sin. Remember, he began the message in verse 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And now he says in verse 5 that the one he saw was the King, the Lord Almighty. In Hebrew, the word Almighty means that God is Lord of the heavenly armies. He controls not just the people on earth, but all the angels in heaven. He is Yahweh, the one controlling everything. And he cried out, Woe, that he is ruined. That's how he felt in the presence of a holy God. Isaiah's lips were unclean, he says, and since lips reveal the heart and what's there, he knew that his deep-seated sin couldn't stand in the presence of his holy God. In a similar story, Jesus told Peter to let down the fishing nets for a huge catch, and then they were overflowing with fish. This miracle showed Jesus' divine power. And Peter, it says, fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. In the presence of divinity, humanity shrinks back in our sinfulness. We can't coexist. There's no way. But Isaiah didn't die, and he didn't stay in his ruined state. What happens next is a picture of God's amazing grace. The live hot coal that the angel took from the sacrificial order, altar touched his lips, and that act forgave his sin. You note that Isaiah didn't ask for the coal, but God, by his grace, provided it as a gift. You see the gospel here? Like Isaiah, we too must see ourselves as guilty, ruined, unfit to be with God now and forever. Isaiah was a believer in the Lord before this, and yet he needed this fresh look at God and a fresh look at himself. We too need fresh reminders that our sins are like violence against a holy, perfect God. And our sin, singular, 
is the root, and it's much more tragic than those acts of sin that we produce against God. No, the Bible says our indwelling sin that we inherited from Adam should continually make us broken, repeatedly repentant, always depending on the mercy of God freely given to us in Christ Jesus. And like Isaiah, we must continually see ourselves as cleansed and forgiven by the gracious sacrifice of our Savior, Christ Jesus. By God's grace alone, we receive the gift, not the coal on the altar, but the blood of the cross. Do you see your need for a fresh glimpse of God's glory? Your own utter helplessness and the amazing grace of eternal life offered from Christ. This cycle should be a constant pattern in your life. As often as you need it, we go back to it. Who is God? In that light, who are we? In that light, what is the gift of redemption that God gives us? That kind of ongoing cycle is what Christians do. It should be a constant pattern, continually asking for a fresh glimpse of God. I had to do that this week many times, even as I prepared for this sermon. In the midst of all the news, it makes me feel like I can't turn it off or that the walls of my life are just crowding in around me. Oh God, show me who you are. And when I see who you are, I see who I am, in need of more of your grace and forgiveness. That's been my help, and I hope it's yours as well. Not just once, but over and over again. And finally, like Isaiah, we move on to verse 8 where it reads, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Like Isaiah, who was commissioned by God to go and tell other people the same message that he had experienced, so that their fears would be met by God's message of hope. Just like Isaiah, so you and I have been commissioned by our Lord Jesus to go and make disciples wherever we are this week. Watch for someone who's suffering, who's confused, upset, angry, and looking for hope. You, yes, you can go to them. You can be with them. You can listen to them. And you can speak to them the same message that is transforming your heart. We need a renewed perspective on our lives. And it only comes 
with a renewed vision of our God. So practice the rhythm of seeing God for who he really is in nature, in the earth that he has made, and in scripture first and foremost. And then let that change the way you see yourself as broken and needy of him and let that move your heart to the cross where God freely offers more and more of himself and armed with that, strengthened with that, encouraged by God himself, then move out to your world. This is what you need right now. This is what our world needs right now. Oh God, we need you. Transform our hearts. Give us eyes to see you, ourselves, and the world around us. In the name of our King, the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.